0: Before we have our prayer time today, we want to consider some prayer requests. Um, Darlene Anderson has been able to go home. So that is good news uh, from rehab. Uh, Ginger Ferris is still out, uh, uh, healing up from getting well from the pneumonia. So she uh, is continuing to battle that and doing that at home. Uh, Charlie Hayes is in rehab as well. She's at the other Brookstone. So I learned this week there are two Brookstones. So, anyway, um, so he is getting better. He has had trouble with that, uh, the medication for his carpal tunnel uh, surgery that he had, and that surgery didn't go well. So uh, he is just out of time the last several weeks. Uh, we want to remember Jan, Jan Kotick as well, who is at the uh, Josie Harper Hospice House. And then I wrote down the word crummy, um, not crummy people, but people feeling crummy. There's several people in, in our church that are just battling, um, not feeling very well, um, people tired of tests, uh, people tired of uh, medication, just general, um, some crummy atmosphere and, and situations with, uh, with health. So if we could remember those as well, that would be great. Um, let's offer our morning prayer today. Almighty God, we come into your presence today to sing our praises and offer our praises to you. We are so grateful for this opportunity to be in your house and to give you the praise that you so richly deserve. We realize, God, that all the praise that we give you will never be enough for who you are and for all that you have done on our behalf. We are so grateful for your love, for the gifts that pour from your hand, and just you as God over all that we know and don't know. We remember those people this day who are suffering. We, of course, on our hearts and minds uh, are those that are struggling with the coronavirus we pray for those who have been uh, affected with the flu, with coronavirus, with other various maladies. We pray for people that are working to help bring relief to those that are affected and afflicted. We pray for all of us as, as uh, good citizens of this world that we would be smart, that we would be safe, that we would be uh, wash our hands and do what we can to be healthy but that we will do what we can to also support those that are battling this coronavirus in our world. We pray for those who are struggling finding adequate food and water and shelter and medicine. There are thousands and thousands of people, if not millions, that are struggling with finding um, these bare necessities of life. And so we pray for, for them and we pray for all of us who are able to share our bounty with those who are in need we pray for those who are held against their will and those who are trafficked this day oh god we pray for those who are a part of gang life and feel like the only outlet they have to occupy their time or to find a way up in life is to be a part of a gang we pray that uh, you would put people again in their lives that would Help show them the way out of uh, that oppressive system. Uh, we pray that you would help them uh, know you and come to embrace you and uh, give up that control of gang life in their life. We pray, God, for those in our in our church that are on our prayer list this day. We lift up the names that have been mentioned already, and we. Lift up all of those who are are battling various forms of illness, those that just don't feel very well, those that are battling uh, recurring symptoms and are taking medication, are just having a tough time and not feeling very well. So we pray, God, that your spirit would be with them, your healing touch would be with them, and you would help restore them to health. And we pray for all of us, God, as we seek to do your will, as we seek to grow our faith and become closer to you, and then be your person on mission in this world. We pray that you would continue to enliven us and empower us with your strength and your power to be your people on mission in this world. Now, bless our time of worship. May all that we do here today honor and glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before I started our prayer time today, I wanted to welcome to church for the very first time William John Gladwell Jr. And I think he may have made his exit as he is roaming around in some grandmother's or aunt's arms. uh, this little guy goes by Dub or W, excuse me. There, there he is with uh, his aunt Jamie. Um, born just a little over two weeks now on the thirteenth of February, this is his first trip to church. So welcome, W. We're glad you're here, and we look forward to helping you grow and mature in your faith as a child of God. So welcome to little W today. Sure. Our scripture today is out of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Matthew chapter 4, the first 11 verses. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After 40 days, after fasting 40 days and nights, 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. You, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. This first Sunday after Ash Wednesday, is the first Sunday of Lent. And that means we have started our preparation for Easter, which is about six weeks away. For those who are giving something up during Lent, and sometimes we do give up something uh, as a part of our practice for the season of Lent, I hope uh, if you're giving up something like sugar, I imagine you're glad that the Girl Scout cookies arrived last week. (laughs) and not this week. Actually, Lent is a season of preparation for Easter and for growing closer to God. One huge part of the process of Lent is to realize that we are separated from God by our sin, and then to confess our sin to God and seek repentance. This season of Lent is also one of seeking to deepen and strengthen our faith, to again grow close. Closer to God, but so that we might be more prepared for the everyday living of life and for the trials that invariably lie ahead. When we think of the word trials, we usually use it to mean difficulties or tough times that we face. I found it interesting that the word trial has several meanings, and some of the more prominent are testing and examination implying that a trial is the proving of a person. Anyway, because during this season we normally focus on growing closer to God and deepening our faith, being repentant, we generally start off our time by looking at Jesus' temptation before he starts his public ministry. And this story in Matthew chapter 4 is a good one for us today because temptation applies to us all. It's something that we all deal with in one form or another. Now, temptations aren't universal. What tempts me might not be appealing to you at all. And what might be a test for you might not interest me in the least. The point is that we all have temptations that we face. And when we think about those temptations, really the matter before us is a choice that we have to make. Will I do one thing? or will I do another thing? Will I behave one way, or will I behave another way? And that's perhaps a better choice. And sometimes we trivialize the temptations that, we, that uh, approach us. In some of the old depictions, we see a tempted person shown with having an angel on one shoulder and then having a devil on the other. The angel is trying to talk the person into making the good and wholesome choice. And the little devil is trying to get the person to go ahead and give in to the temptation that is there. And the poor person is tempted is caught in the middle looking back and forth, kind of wondering what to do. Sometimes we make light of temptation. We make a joke about it. Or we have kind of a carefree attitude about temptation. And like old Flip Wilson used to say, he would, uh, we claim that the devil made me do it. And if you don't know what that means, ask a parent or someone who's a little bit older than you are. The point is that we are all tested to do what is not in God's will. And temptation is serious. Temptation is serious as it leads us into sin, which separates us from God. So today we look at the story of Jesus' temptation to see how Jesus faced the testing that he did. We read that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit so that he could be tested, and that after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Due to his fasting, I imagine Jesus is physically weakened. This is an important reminder for us that Jesus was fully human. But in another, more important way, Jesus is strengthened from his fast. That's because fasting is a spiritual discipline that can draw one closer to God and strengthen one's faith. To those of you who have fasted, or those of you who have fasted in the past, know that the longer a fast goes on up to a point, uh, the desire for food doesn't matter as much as one's communion and fellowship with God. And I imagine that's the point where Jesus is here. He has fasted to the point of realizing that life is not solely about food and other material things. It's about giving up control and giving yourself over to God. Also in fasting and in enduring three temptations to come, I think Jesus also realizes how strong that divine nature is in him and how he can avoid the trappings of the devil's temptations. So Jesus is spiritually strengthened in this time of fasting and prayer. And the devil comes to Jesus with three enticements that are attractive to him, I'm sure. And when you look at the devil's propositions, he's really asking Jesus to take the easy way out. For one, Jesus is hungry. He wants food He could turn those stones before Him into bread and provide bread for not only Himself, but for everyone. In some Jewish circles, it was thought that the Messiah to come would be the one to reproduce the miracle of manna, providing manna uh, from the Exodus so that there would be an abundant supply of food in the Messianic era. So the devil challenges Jesus to show that he is qualified to be the Messiah by that criteria. But Jesus rejects that easy choice. Next, Jesus is taken up to a high point of the temple, the highest point where people would surely see him and be seen by the greatest number of people. And that's because there was always something going on at the temple. There were sacrifices being made and other services being performed. People would even gather in the temple courts to talk and conduct business. So by leaping from the highest point of the temple, Jesus could provide a sensational sign for the people that he was the Messiah for the people. But Jesus resists that easy choice. Finally, we read, that the devil proposes that Jesus bow down and worship him in exchange for the worldly political power. This offer shows the struggle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. In ruling over the kingdoms of the world, Jesus would take the place of the Roman emperor, and he would be the ruler over all the earth. Jesus would have everything that this world has to offer. But Jesus... The one present with God at creation and throughout time knew that that was not enough. So he resists that easy offer. In each of these situations, Jesus is tempted to use his power to prove that he is the Son of God. He can take the easy way out. He can be the kingly Messiah that the people are waiting for. But Jesus is following God's will and he knows that his reign is going to be marked by servanthood. He will be the Messiah who is the suffering servant of all. In resisting the devil's temptations, it's interesting that Jesus relies so heavily on Scripture. The devil also quotes Scripture, but he twists those words around to say what he wants them to say. So Jesus relies on God and on the Word of God to stand up to temptation. And that's what gets my attention out of this passage for today and has me thinking about how we can grow through temptation. Our theme for Lent this year is Essentials for Spiritual Growth. As we learned or relearned from Francis Chan in the past few weeks, our top priority in life is pursuing God— It's knowing Him, loving Him, and serving Him. We want to grow closer to God and deepen our love for God. God is our top priority in life, but sometimes we get sidetracked or distracted from pursuing God. So we have a sermon series like this one to help us see the importance of having a close relationship with our Creator. Well, to get closer to God, we want to grow spiritually each and every day. And as a reminder of our theme and as an example of the power of growth, we'll use a mustard seed. And I think some of you even got a mustard seed as you came in to worship today. If you haven't picked up a sample um, of the mustard seed yet there are envelopes outside the doors of the worship center and you may surely get one i've already heard of some young child who's going to plant their seed after lent and uh, see just what a mustard plant looks like when it grows as in prior years you might place that packet with the mustard seed in it with your bible or you can have it in your car for you to see as you drive around during the day, or set it at the table where you sit down to have your meals during the day. And you can think of that theme of essentials for spiritual growth throughout this Lenten season. In the gospels, Jesus likens the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed. He also tells his disciples that if they have faith the size of a mustard seed, they can tell a mountain to move from one place to another or tell a mulberry tree to go jump in the lake and it would do it. The mustard seed was the smallest seed that a farmer used and it grew very, very quickly and produced a large tree. And as Jesus said, it was the largest of garden plants. So Jesus used that example to say how the kingdom was starting small but would grow to produce great results. In another instance, he was saying that our faith might start out small and seemingly insignificant, like that smallest seed. But with the right care and nurture, we can grow that small mustard seed faith into a vibrant and strong faith. If you know anything about my lack of love for gardening, you know that I'm living dangerously, talking about seeds and growing plants. I know that many of you do enjoy planting plants and flowers and watching them grow. You enjoy tending a plant and seeing its progress. And you take great satisfaction in gardening and growing things. Well, I enjoy that experience just a little bit. Enough to get some perennials in the ground, see that they survived the winter, and make sure that the yard is appropriately covered with good landscaping. Other than that, gardening involves digging holes, amending soil, planting seeds or plants, and then watering, tending, and pruning those plants. And that's not what I really enjoy doing. So how's that for a whiny attitude? On top of that, when Priscilla comes home, I generally don't water the plants just right. So uh, I always pay for that sin uh, when I don't do things just the right way. Well, the least I can do is take the example of gardening and mustard seeds and see what it says to us about how we grow our faith. And one thing that stands out to me is that for the mustard seed of faith to grow, it needs to be rooted. It needs to have good soil and the right nutrients that will help it sprout roots and drive those roots down deep into the soil. Those roots will find nutrients and find stability for the plant, so they are vitally important. Without roots, the plant will die. And from our experience in gardening and Jesus' parable of the four types of soil, you know that seeds need a root system to grow. And they need good soil in which to grow. It's tough to grow in rocky soil or soil with other obstacles in it where the roots can't spread out. It's also difficult to grow in soil that has a lot of clay in it or in soil that's hard and not amended. For the plant to be rooted, soil needs to be prepared and able to allow the seed to germinate and spread out its roots. If you will, in this temptation experience, Jesus shows what a life rooted in good soil, the good soil of God, looks like. Jesus shows us his rootedness in God as he prays and knows his scripture, even when the devil tries to misuse scripture to trick Jesus. As Jesus is rooted in God, he is close to his heavenly father and he is able to resist the advances of the devil. Now, certainly there are times when you don't feel like you're grounded in God. Your prayer life is a little off. And you haven't been reading your Bible as faithfully as you should have. And eventually you feel like you're a little out of balance. You might feel off balance with an illness that's particularly tough to deal with and has taken its toll on you. Or you might feel ungrounded by some other personal problem that seems to be grabbing your attention and occupying your mind. You might even have something going on at work or at home that has you worried and distracted. And in those times, you just feel uprooted. It feels like somebody has pulled you out of the ground and has you hanging in midair. In those times, it's difficult to focus on your relationship with God and resist the temptation that comes your way because invariably that's one of the times that temptation comes. Well, in good times and, or not-so-good times, I encourage us all to look at the example of Jesus and look at how he handles temptation. As you develop your prayer life and read and know the scriptures, you too can follow Jesus' example to ward off the attempts of the enemy to tempt you. And following Jesus' example is a key to being rooted in God and maintaining that strong relationship with the Heavenly Father to defeat temptation. As a Christian who struggles with temptation and sin, you can take great comfort in the knowledge that Jesus has gone before you and that he's your model for how to live in right relationship with God. So in the days ahead, let that seed of your faith be firmly rooted in God through prayer and knowing scripture. That'll be a good place to be planted, to deepen your spiritual roots and to grow in your relationship with God.